The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. There are so many challenges involved in the college process, including choosing the right college, planning a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and much more. The team of experts from College Coach are here to help you find some, if not all, of the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Elizabeth Heaton. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Uh, Feels like I have not been here in, I don't know, a year, more? But really, it's only been about a month. Um, but I'm really happy to be back, especially because this is really our crunch time. Uh, it's crunch time in our office, and I know it is for everyone out there who is in the application uh, process. If you're in the middle of that, it is all happening right now. I did want to make an important public service announcement. Tomorrow is the last day to register for the October sitting of the ACT. Um, so if you were thinking about taking it in October, tomorrow is it. And so get on your computer today and register. Um, and if you're thinking about an early decision or early action application, uh, it's good to know for you to know that the tests you take in October will almost definitely be ready in time for those early decision, early action schools. Most schools accept test scores after the application due date. Um, Very few have a hard line about if it's not in by the date, you can't, they won't consider it. Um, So if you need to improve on your scores, October is a great time to do that. Uh, And if you followed us on Facebook, you would have seen this announcement already earlier today. So you want to make sure and follow us. The last time I was here, we were still running our Schools Out application workshop series, but of course now it's September, and so now we're on to Schools In, and later in the show, uh, as part of that session, we're going to be talking about essays, essays, and more essays, Um, but specifically today, we're going to focus on all of those Why This College supplementary essays, how to think about them, how to approach them. Um, And we're going to have homework like we always do, so you want to stay tuned. But before we get to all of that, I'm very excited to welcome Jessica Elberfeld, who is showing her school debt, Who's the Boss, uh, to the show today. Hi, Jessica. Hi. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. So just to let our readers know a little bit more about uh, Jessica, um, so we came across Jessica's story in Business Week, and um, Jessica, they profiled you because you were in considerable debt from your um, college experience, and a couple of years ago, you sort of decided enough and really buckled down, and you're almost, in fact, what, you're about two months away from paying it all off? Correct, yep. All right, that must feel amazing. Yes. So you ended up after when all was said and done and you had your graduation and your um, diploma in hand, you were one hundred and thirteen thousand dollars in debt in 19 in 2009. Um, Well, actually, it was more like seventy nine thousand. What it is, is that once I pay everything off from the start, it will be one hundred and thirteen thousand because of interest. 
Got it. So, right, that that thing that we don't always think about when we take out a loan mm-hmm. is that you're not just paying back what you borrowed, you're also paying back the interest, the the pleasure of, of being able to borrow that money, you have to pay people for that. <laughs> um, so, I, I guess my first question really for you is, how did it happen that you were $79,000 in debt after what I think was four years um, spent pursuing your college degree? Yeah, so um, at that age, I don't think I understood what it meant to take out all of that money. And Mm -hmm. given the fact that I was the first person in my family to go to college, it was something my mom wasn't familiar with either. So when we met with the financial office at Belmont University, the college I wanted to go to, they were the ones that told us about private student loans, and in particular, the company Sally May. And that was before the economy kind of took a nosedive in 2007. So the information that the school gave us was that there would be refinancing and consolidation options available to me and repayment upon graduation. But unfortunately, given the economy, that was not the case. And so I wanted to go to that school and I took out that debt. Got it. Did you, did you start at a, um, did you start at Belmont or did you transfer into Belmont? I transferred into Belmont. Okay. So you even did a couple of years elsewhere. Was, was that cheaper than what you ultimately paid for Belmont? Absolutely. It was completely free. Ah, so, I mean, that's kind of amazing if we think about it, too, to all of our listeners out there who are thinking about put, putting, you know, going into a ton of debt for four years. You even made the smart decision to have two free years of college um, before you went into debt for the final two years. Um, and so, in many ways, that was a smart choice. Was that an intentional choice or <laughs> curious about that? Um, Sure. So I was awarded the presidential scholarship for our local community college in Gulf Shores. And Mm -hmm. my mom was very proud of that. And she was very adamant that I take that offer and do my first two years there. And it was something I did not want to do. I was like, are you kidding me? I have great grades. You know, I want to go be a country artist. You want me to stay home and continue to live, you know, with you and go to a community college while everyone else moves away to a big school. Like, I thought she's got to be joking, but I guess I saw her way because it's exactly what I did, and I couldn't be more grateful for that decision, and I don't remember the conversations between my mom and I back then, but I'm pretty sure that it took a lot of convincing for her because I was super set on leaving. But I'm very and, glad I didn't. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I guess I can only imagine how much debt ultimately you might have been in. If you if you hadn't taken that offer, which sounds exactly. like an awesome offer, would you have gone directly to Belmont or uh, hard to say at this point? Um, like if I could do it all again? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess what were your other options at that moment when your mom kind of made you accept the community college offer, would you potentially have gone to Belmont if you hadn't stayed at the community college? I probably would have. The other option I had to open was the University of Alabama. So through mm-hmm. grants and scholarships, I could have gone all four years there for relatively nothing. It would have been a lot less expensive, um, but I didn't want to do that either. So I think I was probably pushing Belmont back then to do all four years. Got it. Okay. Uh, and and I guess, yeah, then the next logical question would be, and I do really want to spend a lot of time talking about how you approached your debt and, and how you've managed to get to the point where you've almost paid it off. But if you had to do it all over again, I mean, maybe we should save this till the end, but I'll ask it now anyway. Do you think okay. you'd do it differently? So that's definitely a question that has come up in just about every interview I've done. Um, also, 
you know, by friends and peers and conversation. And it goes hand in hand with, you know, would you turn back time? Would you do it different? And I don't want to have any regrets in life. And although I don't regret like Belmont, I if I could go back in time, I probably wouldn't do it again. I would have gone to a cheaper university and not taken out all the loans that I did. Um, I would have most definitely gone to a community college. And so mm-hmm. that decision I wouldn't alter. But I believe I would have probably transferred into MTSU, which is a neighboring music business school here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only real difference between those two is that MTSU gives you a science degree and Belmont gives you a business degree with that major. Mm-hmm. So. I think if I could go back in time, I would have done it differently, but I don't necessarily regret it, if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. I mean, the fact of the matter is you can't go back in time, and it's sort of silly to regret it, but, you know, in hindsight, maybe you might have made a different decision. And I think, actually, that does make sense to me. Anyway, hopefully it does to our our listeners, too. So when you graduated and you had this level of debt, um, what was your initial approach to paying it down? Um, Well, I made my first payment in December of 2009, and the payment plan I was on was interest only, which allows you to pay on just the interest of the loan and not the principal in order to have a lower payment. Mm -hmm. Um, And initially, I was paying the minimum monthly payment. So it was very hard to pay that, but I never missed a payment, nor was I late. So by the grace of God and the financial responsibility that my mom um, instilled in me growing up, I knew better than to miss a payment or being late. Mm -hmm. So... I think out of fear, I just always pay the minimum interest-only payments just to always make sure I was current on everything. Got it. And so um, I was working in the music industry and living with my best friend from Belmont. And although it was a fun time in my life, working my day job at the artist management firm just kind of wasn't enough. So between the apartment we were living in, the money I was spending going out, and all things you know music-related, um, I knew I needed more income. And so for this reason, I kept the part-time job I had in college as a host at a downtown restaurant. And then I house sat for a member of the band Little Big Town while they were on tour. So the income from those side jobs kept me afloat and able to pay my, my debt for a while Got with it. that payment plan. And then what happened? So at some point, you just said, this is not working for me. And what, was there something that happened that made you change your approach or you just, it kind of happened gradually? I'm curious. Yeah, I think it kind of happened gradually. Um, it all pretty much changed in 2013. And at that point in my life, I had exited the music industry to find a better paying job using mm-hmm. my business degree. And I switched from hosting to serving at that same restaurant in order to make my time worth it there. Um, And my income was higher than it was before because I moved um, from the apartment with my best friend from Belmont to a house with two other friends. And so my expenses were down, which made my income per month a little bit more. I had some flex room. And um, so the interest-only payment plan that I mentioned before was only allowed for four years for the life of the loan. Mm-hmm. So I knew that four-year mark was approaching quickly, and I had to make a change because the 600 or so a month I was paying Sally Mae in interest only was about to balloon to around 1000 or more per month mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. they started introducing my principal alongside the interest. So even though my income was higher and my expenses were lower, it was still going to be a very hard number for me to swing every month. So I, I, just, I get the question a lot of how I found the Dave Ramsey method and how I did it, but I honestly can't remember how I stumbled across it. I'm just glad I did. Um, I think that maybe I heard his name when searching and reading about student loan debt online, and so I must have clicked on something that just kind of sparked an interest. 
So in, in that year, in 2013, I began watching his YouTube channel and reading every student loan blog that I possibly could. And from there, I just really dove into the meat and potatoes of what I owed and kind mm-hmm. of developed a payoff plan and tried to stick with it. So fortunately, my plan was solid and I stuck with it, but that's definitely when things changed for me. Yeah, and I mean, clearly you stuck with it because if you didn't really start paying on the principal until 2013 and now you're almost done paying all of it and it's 2016, I mean, that's kind of amazing. Um, And I guess I'm curious, and this was something that was pretty fascinating in the article, in the Business Week article is, you know, what did you give up in order to make this plan work for you? Sure. So to speak to this in a material sense, um, I gave up the ability to ever live by myself, so I've lived with at least two roommates over the last several years. Um, The ability to own a newer car, I'm still driving around the same Honda that I bought at 16, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, all things trendy. There are a lot of clothes and shoes and sunglasses and purses and all that, which are kind of always in the back of my mind as a want, but I do my Mm -hmm. best not to act on that. (laughs) And then um, probably lastly, just time. So there have been so many weekends where my friends get to go out to eat, you know, go out downtown, go to concerts and travel, go hiking and relax, watch TV, all the while while I'm working my second job for the Mm -hmm. extra income. So that's definitely been something I've had to give up. But in reality, there's kind of no way to tell what I would have given up in order to pay this off. Like had I not been working so much and watching my budget since the day I graduated, I mean, who knows? I could have maybe had the freedom to stick to my dream and be a full-time country artist by now. I could have mm-hmm. met a husband and established a family. Like, God only knows what life would have looked like for me had I not been paying off these loans all this time. But the only thing you can do is just trust that there's a purpose and a plan, and it's all on God's time. So you just have to think about it in a positive manner and try not to have regret and go to a dark place with it. You just stay positive and understand your situation yeah. as what it is. And and I I have to imagine that there's got to be a quite a bit of peace of mind in knowing that you took control of what was what could have really spiraled into a situation that controlled you and instead you control it and Absolutely. you know some of those things that you've put aside well actually something else I'd love to ask is you know so you've been putting time and energy and most of your disposable income into paying down your debt, you're going to pay it off in November. Um, What happens then? Do you ease up on yourself or do you have other things that you're going to do or plans that you're going to um, pursue now that you're going to be in the clear when it comes to your student loans? Yeah, good question. Um, It's something I've kind of made a promise to myself where I have clawed myself out of this huge hole, so I'm never going to go back down that route, Mm -hmm. period. So once November comes here, I really don't see myself, you know, giving in and buying a brand new car and going on a shopping spree. I'm definitely going to um, be mindful of everything and keep my budget the way it is. And the first priority is to get a fully funded emergency fund of around 15000 and just put that in a money market account, um, up my 401k contribution to my company's match, which is 6%. And then go ahead and contribute the minimum into like a Vanguard um, index mutual fund. I think the minimum is three thousand on that, and then max out an IRA, a Roth IRA at fifty five hundred. And then from there, I'll you know rebudget. But those that those goals, that's priorities. Yeah, yeah. So investments is definitely something I feel a little bit behind on, given I'm twenty nine, um, and savings too. So I just want to make sure I get my retirement and investment plan up to par before I change my lifestyle. 
Got it. And actually, my guess is that if if they went out and really took a survey of a lot of people in this country, you're probably will be well ahead of the game. Once you start doing that, then most I mean, lots of people aren't even thinking about saving for retirement until they're in their 40s, which is a little scary. Yeah, Um, but so so I mean, clearly, you've learned um, something about how to manage your money that many people don't ever learn in their lifetime. And you have learned it at a relatively young age. So, um, And that's the positive spin I have to give myself whenever I think about all the things I've missed out on is that I have learned so much. Yep. And I mean, really, if I'm sh- you have given up a lot, I'm sure. Um, I have the perspective of being farther away from 29 than you are and knowing that you're still pretty young, but I can also appreciate that you have gone without a lot and that must feel challenging at times. Um, and what I really love about and, th- and this perspective is that one of our big challenges in the work that we do um, with families is just helping them see that there is a healthy, and I'm putting that in quotes, level of debt, and then a level of unhealthy debt and, and what that really means. Because like you said, when you were choosing to take out all these loans, it really didn't it's almost like, okay, yeah, I'm going to take out $79,000 in debt and whatever, we'll figure it out. I'm going to get a great job. I'm going to pay for it. No big deal. And then your mom was similarly not necessarily able to provide a whole lot of insight since you're the first one to go to college. Um, we do see parents and students taking on a huge loads of debt um, because they just love a school. They're like mm-hmm. you. They feel like I've earned it. You know, I worked really hard and I got into all these great schools and parents want to be able to either give that to them or let them take out the loan so that they can realize their dream. And I guess what I would love is to hear from you is what would you say to those, those parents and those students um, if you thought they would listen to you? Well, yeah, I've definitely been in the exact same situation where I felt I deserved it. And um, I think what I would say to them is, you know, go for that dream. Pursue the dream that you have, but do it in the most practical manner. If that means going to a community college first, do that. If it means doing more research in your field of study and seeing what other less expensive schools might be out there, do that. Just keep in mind whatever you want to do early on in your young adult life is going to indeed impact the rest of your adult life. And that's hard to grasp, but it's something you just have to keep in mind. So keep doing research and keep figuring out if that is the smartest route for you to take and if there's another one you can possibly take. Right, to get to the same place. Exactly. And, and yeah, and I just wish parents would stay strong when their kids are saying, but I really want this, I've earned this, and recognize that it does nobody any good for either your students to head into their adult life heavily in debt or for you to enter into the later stages of your life heavily in debt. Exactly. Um, You know, as a parent. And sometimes it pays to not listen to the university's financial advisors because they're not going to be the ones that pay off your debt. And they also can't help you once you graduate. So I'm just super thankful my mom convinced me to stay home for free for two years. Yeah, that does seem like that was an awesome call. So go mom. Um, If if anyone, uh, any of our listeners are interested in learning more about Jessica's story or in learning more about how she has managed to um, accomplish this pretty incredible feat, uh, then I would encourage you to visit her blog. It's Oh These Student Loans dot blogspot.com um, again it's ooh these student loans dot blogspot.com Jessica thank you so much for joining us today thank you
Absolutely. And uh, I hope our listeners do visit your blog. And I'm going to start checking it out as well, because I have a 12-year-old and eventually he's going to go to college. Awesome. That sounds like a plan. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. um, We're going to be right back to uh, do our Schools In uh, application workshop. So don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to Getting In a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Um, Before the break, we were talking to uh, Jessica Elberfeld. Go visit her blog. Oh, my. Oh, those college loans. Um, at dot blogspot.com. I'm just super, um, oh, these student loans, sorry. I'm just super impressed by her. And I think there's some great information there, whether you're in debt or um, about to be applying to a bunch of schools that might put you into debt. So check it out. Um, but now I'm super excited to have um, one of my colleagues, Kara Courtois, who's a former Barnard College admissions officer. And she's joining me today to talk about essays as part of our schools and application workshop series. Hi, Kara. Hi, Beth. Thanks so much for having me. 
Absolutely. Love having you on the show. Um, And uh, I don't know about you, but when I got back from my vacation at the end of August, I don't know if you took a vacation, but I was on vacation for part of August. And when I got back, I think that my inbox was filled with about six different essay drafts from students. And so I thought... um, and that was that's prob- that's not even that many. That was like no big deal. <laughs> um, but because we are in the thick of essay season, I thought you and I could do some um, talking about essays today, if that works for you. Absolutely. All right. Well, one of the things. Um, so we know that we have lots of parent listeners, and we know we have lots of student listeners. And one of the things I was hoping to do today was talk a little bit to those parent listeners. Um, I get a lot of um, parents very concerned. Um, if their students haven't started their essay yet. And a lot of times I think what they approach us is with is, oh, she's not interested or he doesn't even care. I can't even get him to work on his essay. And yet my sense is often that it's not because he doesn't care or she's not interested in the college process. Um, and really there may be some other things at play here, like, uh, you know, I don't know what to write about is one big one. And I was curious if you had thoughts about, you know, if parents are concerned because their students aren't writing, what some of the reasons might be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I actually think I always discourage families and parents mostly, but from reading um, the books that publish the best essays, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the best college essays, because I find one of the biggest obstacles for students is comparing their life, you know, and their, what they could potentially write about to what some of those very few essays that have been decided upon, you know, by whomever the publishers are, um, to be the best essays. Mm -hmm. And so then a lot of parents will hold it up as a benchmark for what their students should be able to write and the students know that, or they read them themselves. A lot of English teachers, I know, use those um, experiences. I'm not throwing English teachers under the bus, but I find that it just intimidates students, um, and they can't find their own voice. I think that's the biggest challenge, is when they're comparing to others, um, then they, they lose out on hearing their own voice, right. and finding their simplicity. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely see some of my students feeling like they need to write a spectacular essay, and especially if they're not spectacular writers, which, by the way, describes 99% of the population, they're not spectacular <laughs> writers. Um, so if they have these unrealistic expectations for what the finished product is going to be, and they've never in their life turned out a piece of spectacular writing, I mean... What's more um, daunting than that, right? Trying to Mm -hmm. imagine writing something phenomenal when it's not even probably a a big skill set for you. So I know that that is absolutely something um, that I see. I also, I'm curious if you see, you know, kids struggling over, well, I don't know what they want to hear about. What do the colleges want me to tell them, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and I remember, you know, when we were in admissions, giving an information session, and, you know, if a student was lucky enough to be in an information session, they can't be that, you know, at every college possibly where they're applying, but, you know, oftentimes we would say in that role, you know, you're not writing for me, (laughs) you know, that's the key thing, you know, be true to yourself, um, and, you know, just try and tap into that genuine 
part of who you are that you feel we need to know about you. Right. So I, I do, my new thing this year, I will say, is discouraging students from writing to the prompt specifically. Mm-hmm. So I find some very poor writing has come out of when students are trying to answer the question, you know, say the common application prompts, specifically, especially that failure question, mm-hmm. you know, that it really <laughs> takes away from some really interesting writing that could be there because they're trying to, because they're writing more formally, you know, like they would do in high school. So taking that away and I always say, you know, approach it from the back door mm-hmm. and trying to find, um, you know, topics that aren't mainstream, you know, that, they, that no one would assume about a student reading their activities list on their application um, so that what else do we need to know? I just had a conversation yesterday with someone who was telling me about a student she was working with and said, you know, she's really interesting. It turns out that, you know, she uh, she was telling me about a couple of activities that she did that I didn't know about. And then she said, and she's also obsessed with Japanese death metal. I'm like, she, and, I, and my, my exact response to her was, that girl just instantly got a thousand times more interesting to me. Totally. Not, not because she likes Japanese death metal so much as I never would have known that. What a quirky, exactly. interesting thing, right? And and it was she'd actually gotten to know something about her beyond just the surface. And um, you know, so if you've got a passion for Japanese death metal or something equivalent lurking in the shadows. Don't assume that's not a good idea. Um, There could be something really interesting, a nugget of something anyway. There's not a whole essay in that, but there may be um, the start of something really intriguing in in those, right? Those little things. um, I know. One of my favorite questions that one of our colleagues, um, Elise, came up with years ago, and I wrote it down and I use it regularly, was, you know, what's the story that you always tell in asking a parent this or asking a student, you know, what's the story that your parents always tell when they go to a family party or a holiday event um, or they're over at someone's house? What do they tell about you? You know, mm-hmm. what do they always say? Oh, you know, and they praise you for how good you are with your little brother or, you know, that you're obsessed with animals. You know, what mm-hmm. what is that story? And I find that sometimes when I tap into that question, with a student who's writing a very kind of blah essay. Um, or sometimes I'll pull in, you know, or email that question to a parent and say, look, everything that's coming out of, you know, her is, is blah. <laughs> so <laughs> do you have any thoughts on this? And yep. a lot of times they'll say, oh, my gosh, you know, they love, you know, cooking or specifically making sushi, you know, every Friday night. And I was like, aha, <laughs> you know, so it's, yeah, it's absolutely, it's the, you know, don't look at the, the mainstream. Try not to write about your activities um, in and of themselves. Right. But get to that piece they don't know. Exactly. Or, you know, if if they know you do something, but you have an idea to help them understand why you do it. It's the why mm-hmm. that's the interesting part, less the totally. what. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so a bottom line message to those parents out there, very concerned because they don't think their child is invested, understand that there may be some other things going on there. And, you know, maybe there are some ideas to spark some, um, an interesting thought 
or, you know, maybe you just jot down some prompts and say to your child, have you thought about this or have you thought about that? Um, They may reject the idea out of hand and then turn around and write about it. I've absolutely seen that happen. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, it could really be just this, um, because this essay is looming as so important that it's almost preventing them from getting started. So just Mm -hmm. a heads up on that. Um, All right. So let's get to the the thing that I promised we would talk about, which is uh, a lot of colleges that are on the common application a lot of colleges that are not on the common application, uh, ask some version of a question that's really that where they, they want you to write an essay, sometimes long and sometimes very short, about why you want to attend that school. What is it about us that makes it a good fit for you? And what I thought um, that you and I could talk through today were a couple of the prompts that the different schools have that we've seen, but also... Uh, just some general uh, thoughts about this. And I'm going to start with one. And then, um, Kara, maybe you have some general uh, you know, general thoughts about this. But my big um, p- message always to students when they start this is, this is not a time for flattery. You're not, the goal is not to tell the school how awesome they are, how they have <laughs> such a fabulous reputation, or how they're just the best. And gee, who wouldn't want to go to Stanford? Well, no kidding. Stanford knows that. They've seen the thousands upon thousands and tens of thousands of applications they get every year. And uh, Harvard knows that, and Yale does, and um, any number of schools know that there are a lot of people who think they're really great. And that's or not how what they're ranked. They are yes, ugh, my least favorite thing, right? It just came. <laughs> they just came out this week, but all you know, they know all of that. The goal is not how awesome the school is. The goal is how perfect a fit it is for you, and why. So that's my first very big piece of advice. Do you have another kind of overarching piece of advice for our listeners? Uh. I always suggest, and I do will stand out to me in case I don't mean to steal that in case we were going to talk about No, that's kind of fine. In the why Duke, where students will always, you know, the first draft oftentimes will be because they want to be part of the Cameron crazies and the, you know, paint themselves blue and, you know, all of that. And I say, assume they know you want to be there for the spirit and the basketball and the rah-rah and all of that great stuff. Assume that. Yep. And never write about it <laughs> at all. <laughs> That's very good advice. <laughs> Start there. Well, what, what we had an email exchange with our team just yesterday, I think, where a student was struggling with her why Duke, and um, one of our colleagues was saying, any you know tips to help her kind of get back on track or any sample why Dukes, and someone else wrote, I want to go to Duke because I want to be one of the Cam- Cameron crazies and <laughs> paint my face blue and cheer on Krzyzewski. <laughs> and he was like, is that about cover it? And we all were laughing because yes. <laughs> We have seen that essay a million times, right? It's the challenge go beyond what everyone else is already writing about. And um, and I like that, the way you approach it. And I'm going to do that now, too. Assume they know that, assume that they um, know you want the spirit. Assume that you, they know you like that part, right? What else? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I thought I would start with... Um, 
you know, so I used to do admissions at the University of Pennsylvania, and the prompt has changed slightly since I was there, but not significantly. And um, theirs is worded, how will you explore your internet, your intellectual and academic interests at the University of Pennsylvania? Please answer this question, given the specific undergraduate school to which you are applying. And there are a couple of key things here to highlight. The first is, at Penn, you are required to choose one of four undergraduate colleges, and they are telling you in this prompt, we want to hear why you want the one you're applying to. You know what they don't want to hear? Why you want the one you're not applying to. Um, A huge mistake that I would see people making is, uh, I'm really, I love Penn um, because of Wharton, honestly. And so I'm going to apply to the college because I don't think I'm going to get into Wharton. But then I'm going to write an entire Y Pen that basically has a, a nod to the college, but is mostly about how awesome Wharton is. And I would always, I would read these when I was an admissions officer and say, gee, uh, is there, you know, I wonder if this student is basically trying to backdoor their way into Wharton. And that would sort of be the kiss of death. Um, so you want to make sure that you write about the specific school that you are applying to. And then you want to make sure they're saying, how are you going to explore intellectual and academic interests at Penn? So what they want to understand is not what your academic and, in- and intellectual interests are in and of themselves, but they want to understand mm-hmm. how you're pursuing them at Penn. And that means going to the Penn website, doing research, finding classes you want to take, finding a professor you want to study with, finding clubs and organizations that you're going to join that are going to help you pursue those passions. So it's always going to be, there should be a pen through line through the entire essay and not just mentioned at the very end or mentioned at the very beginning. So that's my advice on that. Anything you would add to that or another school you want to skip to? Well, I actually wanted to say that um, one of my favorite things about the supplements is I love when students get through the writing process and then, you know, have turned to me, and this happens every year with several students, and they're like, gosh, I love ILR at Cornell. I can't imagine a better fit. And I said, well, did you feel that going into, you know, thinking about writing that supplement. I was like, I was so, I don't know. I don't know that I knew that school as well as just why I wanted Cornell in general. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, and there's why those supplements exist. Yes, <laughs> so that's exactly, exactly. Why it's not just so that they can see, you know, how well you can write and, you know, all of that that goes along with it. It's really so that you can fall in love with a school and know why it's admitted perhaps you would choose that school at the end of the day. Um, So I really love supplements for that reason. Um, But specifically, I've actually enjoyed how Penn has changed their question over the years um, to be even a little bit more specific because I know at times it went off in directions and it was after your time there, but about Ben Franklin and it's a variety of things. That was interesting, but I don't think it got to the heart of it to help a student, especially a regular decision, you know, non-binding applicant, really um, understand why they would, you know, that school would be the best fit for them to achieve their goals. Yes. So in general, um, that's what I love it. And I do want to put in a plug, and I don't want to go off on a tangent with this, but to say, for going back to that idea of the main essay, that I found that when students are totally stuck or hitting a wall or um, writing very blah main common app essays, the personal statement, that I suggest they write supplements first. 
um, because I feel like it greases the wheels in the whole writing process and that sometimes they can discover their voice in a supplement because it, it is a little bit more structured. You know, it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to yield quite as creative a response mm-hmm. as sometimes a personal statement might. So that, again, and also maybe the joy that comes with uh, finding a school that truly is the best fit. Um, and then even final, more important plug for sometimes writing a supplement, you know, early on if a student's stuck is, you know, that you can step back and say, oh, actually, something you highlighted in here, you know, re- or t- a point that was made in here actually would be such an interesting topic to hear more about for a personal statement. So that's a plug that I wanted to make um, in general. Yeah, I think great plug, and uh, and I totally agree. And actually, sometimes I've had the experience where a student wrote a main essay, then wrote a supplement piece, um, not usually yeah. a why this college, but occasionally, and then I thought... You should have written your essay about that. And occasionally we've actually gone back and expanded that into the main essay and used that for some other institutions because it ended up being a better story for the student to tell. We're going to have to take a quick break here in one second. I do want to piggyback on what you were saying about how this, I do agree that the Why This College essays are a great way for a student to really put into words and really know why they love a particular school. And the other thing that can happen, honestly, is a student can actually start digging into the research and realize they don't have the things I I assumed yes. they would, right? Like, yes. it, this isn't a good fit for me in, in the end, at the end of the day. And maybe I don't want to apply. And I, I think yep. that's a positive, um, positive result me as well. Yep. Yeah. All right, we're going to make uh, take a quick break, uh, but don't go anywhere because we're going to be right back and we're going to be talking through some other colleges why this college essay prompts. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you're a parent of a high school student, you've probably heard a lot of scary stories about college admissions, about the growing number of applicants, the shrinking number of spots, about how even valedictorians are being turned away. For families of hopeful college students, it's impossible not to worry. But at College Coach, we take the worry out. Our advisors are former senior admissions and college finance officers from all over the country, so they can give you advice that nobody else can about what classes to take, how to prepare for standardized tests, what options are available to pay for college, and most importantly, what admissions officers are looking for when they read an application. We've got more than 15 years of experience and a track record that's helped every single student get into college, most into their top choice schools. So make the decision to come work with College Coach and start your child down the road to the decision that really matters, the one in the envelope that says yes. Visit www.getintocollege.com forward slash getting dash in. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. are listening to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. To reach Elizabeth Heaton or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
or send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Before the break, we've been talking about why this college essays, and we're going to keep right on with that conversation. Um, And before the break, we talked a little bit about Penn, and we talked in general about um, why this college essays. And Kara, I was curious if there's a why this college essay that you wanted to um, talk us through. Yeah, well, I mean, I was in admissions at Barnard College, so I thought, um, you know, they've always asked that question in one um, form or another, and this year's, I like, it's gotten a lot shorter, I think, um, over time, so this year's, what factors influenced your decision to apply to Barnard, and why do you think the college would be a good match for you? Um, it's only 100 to 250 words, mm-hmm. so very Short. precise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, one thing that I've always loved about um, learning the, uh, reading those responses when I was in admissions and then, um, you know, working with students who are looking for Barnard specifically is really I, the key things I always loved was when students lean towards the academic reasons, you know, mm-hmm. um, and often encourage students because similar to what I was saying before about Duke you know, that assume that they know you want to be, in Barnard's instance, in New York City. Just mm-hmm. assume that. <laughs> so, um, and that we're on Broadway and that we're affiliated with Columbia, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, because Barnard's unique situation is such that they truly know you can get an amazing education on their four city block campus. Mm-hmm. Um, without even going across the street, not to diminish, you know, Columbia's influence at all, but you really could do it all right there and have an amazing, um, you know, academic and social experience. So, but, um, so you wouldn't want to dwell on the parts that are not um, Barnard, but certainly, you know, uh, in such a short response, trying to point to some of those very specific academic reasons without perhaps um, spending half the time talking about Columbia. I, I definitely have read quite a few responses where half the response of why they wanted to go to Barnard because they wanted to be at Columbia. <laughs> right. So, Not exactly what? compelling, right? No, no. It yeah. was kind of like, we might as well hand them the transfer application now. <laughs> you know? Yes, um, exactly. And then the other, oh gosh, I remember once, if you want me to shout out an example of what not Go to write, for it. Um, you know, of why they wouldn't mind it being a women's college. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's okay, I guess. You know, I guess I could totally. stand it, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, that, exactly. We were all like, yeah, we can do that for you. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, really, and, and then the key thing I would say, and this applies to all of these kinds of responses, um, you know, is really honing in on what has worked for your success in high school. What have you gotten inv- involved in extracurricularly? Um, what have been your academic strengths? And how do you see that, you know, transferring into your life at Barnard or any of these other institutions? So what similar programs do they have or um you know, opportunities to build community or to be a leader if that was something important to you in high school or something you want to do. So it's really, um, I think the, the key thing, and I'll step aside, would be that you don't want it to sound like a checklist. You know, though yep. I do encourage students to bullet point, you know, from websites, the key points that, you know, they love about the school, their bullet points might be 20 or 30 
by the time they go to write the response. But you sort of want to pocket it down in such a short response to, um, you know, two or three, really, that you focus on. Right. With 100 to 250 words, exactly. Yeah. Um, I would argue that you you probably couldn't answer it in 100 words. And if you feel like you've done a good job and they let you write 250, it's probably not as good as it could be. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think you should write just to write, but at the same time, this is possibly one of the most important pieces of writing you'll submit, and why wouldn't you use what you're allotted rather than just do the bare minimum? That's Mm -hmm. typically not going to cut it um, when when you're looking at schools like a Barnard. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, piggybacking on that, um, University of San Diego has a question, and the maximum there is 150 words, so it's similarly short. And I feel like the question itself can trip students up. So the question, the way it's worded is, how does USD stand out among all of the other colleges to which you are applying? And to me, this is begging a student to do two things. Um, And I, I, you know, at least the students I've worked with, I've seen them do these two things. Let me back up and say that. Um, One, they, it, it causes them to do that flattery thing I mentioned earlier that you don't want to do, right? Where it's sort of like, it's so awesome. I love it. It's the best. And that's why I want to be there. That's why it stands out. And then it also seems to beg them to mention other schools they like that don't match up. Um, or other schools that 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 aren't as good, right? Um, so mm-hmm. you might be tempted to write about other schools in trying to show why San Diego is better. Um, and yeah. my advice here, right, is avoid that, avoid that temptation, and approach this as you would any Why This College essay, just like what Kara said. You're going to do your research. You're going to narrow it down from 30 bullets about what's awesome, maybe with 150 words to one or two um, that really highlight something very specific about the school that makes it the place you want to be. Um, and you can do that without flattery and without putting down or mentioning other schools. And assume they know you like the weather. Exactly. Same thing, right? Oh, there are, there's something that a lot of these schools are going to hear from everybody. And that's exactly right. Just like you assume you want to be in school in New York City, assume that the weather in San Diego is something you like and that they know that and move to something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, what are some others that come to mind for you when you're thinking about um, kind of why this college prompts? Um, well, I, I mean, I have to say Brown stands out to me because it doesn't get more succinct than to say, why Brown? Yes, and, absolutely. You know, and they're, they're not really asking for anything specific. So I would guess they get some pretty varied um, responses. I actually have seen some really varied responses over the years um, that I've really enjoyed. And they're short because it's only 150 words. Yep. So that's like maybe three sentences. And I think that's... You know, you can't necessarily become poetic in that time, but, you know, for a Brown, just always keep your, you know, what's the institution in mind. That's a creative institution, you know, if you had to boil it down. And so you do want to be creative um, and it's really going to push your limits uh, to get that done in three sentences. So I've read some really, when you get down to the end of it, it's like, wow, that was really well done because it was so short at the end of the day, but you said a lot. 
You can say a lot in a short amount of, in a short space or a small space. I think with Brown, one thing that I do see a lot of, and I'm not going to say that you shouldn't write about it, but um, assume that a lot of students are drawn to this, and that is the open curriculum, right? The, yeah. the lack of requirements. And so if that's really all you're going to write about, understand that that might be perhaps not exactly writing about Cameron Crazies, but... Um, <laughs> Kind of close. So, you know, make sure you've got a unique angle on it if you if that's really what you're going to you're going to want to do. So Mm -hmm. I think we have time, believe it or not, to to talk about maybe one or, you know, one short additional why, maybe two, but not much time. So what are some others? Um, You and I had talked before the show about um, Delaware and Pitt. Anything specific you would advise on either of those schools? I mean, there's so short that I would say, you know, just jump right in and point out one <laughs> one yep. thing um, overall. I know that your decision is not being based on that. You know, overall, they're just curious. I think those right. are more kind of a curiosity response. That's not going to make or break um, most things. But as with anything, take it seriously. Um, but I was thinking more about the ones that are like a page, you know, mm-hmm. like um, it's Carnegie Mellon. Uh, please submit a one-page single-spaced essay mm-hmm. that explains why it's chosen Carnegie Mellon, and it goes on to give you very detailed, you know, things that they want included in there. And so I think the challenge with those longer ones, I and mean, Cornell's is pretty long as well, at least 500 words. Um, mm-hmm. Penn's is 650. Not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so to not make it dry, you know, mm-hmm. so that the reader immediately skims. Um, and we were those readers, so, you know, and I never wanted to skim, but if it's just, you know, like we said, going through a bullet pointed list, like a resume of reasons why you want to attend there, um, it, it's hard to hear your voice. And then it's hard as an admissions counselor to advocate for you in an admissions committee amidst a very highly talented sea of applicants, like that applicant probably is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was hard to kind of grab their voice and, you know, really make a good case for them. So, um, you know, I always keep in mind that that you have a chance. You may not be the most creative writer. And so, um, but that's, you know, that's an innate skill for some. I actually think sometimes the creative writers actually struggle more with this process because they put so much pressure on themselves, mm-hmm. whereas other students that maybe they haven't been known for writing in their life and kind of just point and shoot, once they get you know, comfortable that it's okay to let their voice be heard. Um, they can write some really thoughtful responses, even as long as one page. Um, and one thing I would say real quickly about that would be, you know what, you can tell a story. In a one-page response, you can actually, you know, tell a story about what you, um, by showing them, you know, as we always say, show versus tell, showing them who you are and why you would add to that university. Yes. Kara, I have 30 seconds. Give me the homework for the, for the students listening today. Curl up with the internet, you know, and just pull up for any of the schools that ask you, why do you want to go there? I would sit down, you know, pen and paper, open an extra screen and get through their website and find, you know, academic reasons you want to go there, um, personal extracurricular reasons why you'd want to attend. And as we said again and again, um, you know, in trying to formulate this this list to turn it into a response, you know, start off with what you know they already know about the school that everybody likes, what might have brought you to the campus originally, and go beyond that. 
and really um, aim to find things that match what your current interests have been and how you want to grow. Right. And write an essay when you, with all of that research you've gathered, write an essay that could only be about that school and your interest in it. And you couldn't replace the name of the school with another and it would work perfectly. You'd have to replace lots of stuff. All right. We have almost no time left. So very quickly, thank you so much, Kara. Thanks to Jessica who joined us earlier. A few important notes. Next week, I'm actually back hosting the show. um, And the entire show is going to be devoted to answering all of the college admissions and finance listener questions that came in through our Facebook contest. Um, Visit our archives. There is so much helpful stuff in there, um, especially around applying to college and um, responding to specific college prompts. Um, like us on Facebook, go to our blog, really good pieces now about how long your essay should be and a series on completing the Common App. Um, and don't forget, we are here every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. Please join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week. We'll be right back.